0: Coop Encounters, episode 13, I believe, or 14. Today, you're going to hear a conversation with Dr. Dan Skinner. He is a routine guy on this show, and Demir Simenech, uh, another chiropractor, great friend of mine. You know, we're going to tackle the conversation of mobility, training versus mobilizing, and kind of get some clear definitions out there for everybody. To understand what the differences are and what the goal is of the outcome of those of those two different tools so I think there's a lot of information out on the internet where people are Constantly foam rolling stretching using banded mobilizations and all these things and they're not quite sure Why they're doing it or what the objective goal is so I feel like we we did a pretty decent job explaining to you guys what that's going to be about Um, I I love chatting it up with these guys, Um, so I I hope you guys really enjoy it. Speaking of mobility, we have officially launched our online mobility program, and what that's going to be is a series of mobilizations and mobility training to improve certain positions in the training world. So really, we're targeting the squat, the deadlift, and overhead positions, and we also just launched a wrist extension program. So... If you feel like you struggle with your squatting position, your deadlift position, or overhead range of motion, uh, this would be a pretty darn good option for you. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, you can use the discount code MOVE5 to save 15% on your purchase. And uh, I'm really excited to get that out there. I'd love for you guys to be doing it and uh, give me some feedback in regards to how it's helping you. Um, this is about you know five, six years of Teaching, working with patients, um, a conglomerate of, of information that we've gathered over the years, and some drills that we've implemented that seem to be sticking for a lot of people and getting them success in those wor- uh, in those worlds of fitness. So, uh, I want to give that to you guys. So go ahead and use that discount code, save some money, get mobile, and stay healthy, stay fit, move well, move often. Let's get it.
1: Busy and like keeps my mind running a little bit and keeps me sharp, because otherwise I feel like the last little bit all I've been doing is Groundhog Day kind of stuff, just drinking my single Origin coffee, <laughs> taking my Corgi out for a walk. No, I get it. It's kind of funny, because like even though all of this stuff is going... I think I was telling you guys both this when we were talking one-on-one, was like, like I even though there's so much sickness that's going on right now and that's the big concern it's like i don't think i've ever felt this healthy and balanced because i'm sleeping 10 hours a night yeah i'm eating i'm eating regularly if anything i'm eating more food so i'm actually feeling like really well recovered and i like train every day i do a little little workout every day and i just like i've been feeling like quite good
2: yeah actually i agree um i feel like i've been i've been working out every day um You know, I've been been sleeping a lot. Uh, I sleep like shit some nights, um, but sleep really well other nights. But I'm sleeping like a lot in general, like taking naps if I need it. Yeah. And then like I've been getting back into the regular kettlebell routines, uh, and then I've been programming um, and making Martine do like a kettlebell workout three days a week. And so I've been like programming something like that specifically for her. Um, it's been it's been fun. (laughs) Like it has that that part has been fun. You know what's not fun? <laughs> not working.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, it sucks. It's, it's just shocking how much you miss your job. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like, how, uh, you know, I'll get a lot done uh, for my work at, at home. You know, like back-end uh, business stuff, uh, stuff for my online, all my online stuff. And then I'm, like, doing a lot of uh, back-end website work. And that shit's tedious and it's slow and I suck at it, so it's even slower. Uh, and so like I'll do a lot of work and then at home like I'll do like fucking like house husband stuff, you know, laundry, like I'll clean up and stuff. And then I'm still sitting there like feeling like an unaccomplished piece of crap, <laughs> like I haven't done anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, I haven't been working out as much, honestly. I uh, I've been taking more days off since this stuff went down. From working out,
1: that's good. Yeah, well, it's it's been really nice. Smart thing to do. Yeah, really. If you're, especially because you're still like you're still engaging quite a bit with the public, right? Like yeah, I'm still. I'm still seeing a handful of people here and there. For Alex and I, like we're pretty much completely by ourselves, and um, so like we we don't really have that much of a risk of contamination. Even when we go to the grocery store and stuff, we're super careful. But if I was still dealing with people. I definitely wouldn't be pushing myself super hard. I'd want my immune system to be nice and sharp.
0: Yeah, I'm just doing it out of sheer laziness.
1: Hey, I want to <laughs> let me ask you guys. <laughs> let me ask you guys something. And I, this was just kind of something I was. Um, it was just like a kind of like a thinking point for me. I've been, you guys know, I've been doing lots of like Wim Hof, uh, like cold exposure and breath work and stuff like that in the last little bit. And I've, I don't know why, but I'm rationalizing it like this. I think that. Because a lot of the a lot of the the concern with COVID is the effect that it has on the lungs, and likely probably going to be things like secondary infection after you know like like people getting pneumonia and then and then having that be a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. I think um, for whatever reason I've I've been doing more and more breath work because I've just convinced myself that it's like the expansion and contraction of my lungs even if i do end up getting sick it's going to help me in the long run it's almost like mobility training for my rib cage if that makes sense yeah that
0: makes sense but at, I, I think get the it, it's also a good way to like to tune in and know like oh maybe when you are sick you can see and feel the, the effects of what a sickness can do to you and how yeah. you, well, you know, it, like having it, like a baseline is- control of your breath
2: are you saying yeah. you have a treatment for COVID, Dan? Yeah, See, and that's it.
1: what I was – so, Demir, <laughs> the reason why I've been thinking so much about this <laughs> is because there's so much – I mean, so just much, be
2: clear with
1: what yeah, you're trying to say. absolutely. There's so much craziness going on out there about people claiming that things do what. And, oh, oh, my God. It's like it's absolutely – If I if I spend all my day just thinking about that, I'm just furious
2: the whole day. I agree, buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yes, I agree but... with you. I agree with you that breath work, uh, you know, like especially like expansive type work and getting air into areas that you might not normally get get it into and things like that, recirculating areas uh, and learning how to like breathe into um, the 360 degrees of your torso and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know a lot about um, breath work. I think it's one of those things that I'd like to learn a lot more about. Um, well,
1: you're a big you're a big DNS guy, so you know all about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. I have my uh, diplomate in uh, <laughs> uh, breathing.
1: <laughs> I was a, I was a baby for uh, quite a bit of my life.
2: Yeah, no, I, I literally I, I know very little. You know, I know I know some, um, and I know enough to like get uh, you know beginners started on some good habits and things like that. Um, and I'm done, you know, the Wim Hof online course, um, but I still like feel like such a you know a novice. But I, you know, even with that little amount that I know, I do feel like it can only help now, whether that's going to like help something like this. I have no idea, you know, (laughs) no clue.
1: Well, and the funny thing is so many people are saying things like, oh, boost your immune system, do this and that. And it's like, "Mm." there's lots of refutable evidence about almost all of that stuff, right? Like, yeah, it, it Yeah. it might fall into that category of relatively weak evidence. And I think it's. It's just like it, this is, this whole experience has been a really good reminder to me, that like you have to check your sources and evidence is not equatable across all levels.
0: Yeah, and then they got the people that say, well, with the lack of with no evidence in the lack of evidence, they support their theories.
1: Yeah, you know so what they I mean? say A oh. lack of evidence is not an evidence of lack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it doesn't say it's not true so that's that's so hilarious because um you know that's that's how people like that's where like that's one of the reasons why our profession has gotten into so much trouble in the past yeah and one of the reasons why i went through these like these dips and and waves in in my career of thinking like Do I I really love identifying as a chiropractor and I love that I love what I do. And then there's other times where I'm like, oh, I just get so fed up with the other people in my profession. Because they're because they're, you know, these mixed messages we're sending people. And so I think like um, you know, I think we we've all kind of gone through that together where we just feel like we're shaking our head at what we do, but at the same time, I'm so glad that I went to school and learned the way that I did. So there's like this this, um, you know, big like pro and con side to having a DC at the end of your name.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I look at that like, you know, you have the same people that graduated from the same school as us, took the same classes, got the same information, but yet they're still running amok and being like, no, all you need to do is sprinkle this in the air and boost your immunity and get adjusted because that's going to increase the immune response. It's that simple. That's what people say. That simple. It's like, man, if you think the body is that simple, you learn nothing. Jon Snow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can learn nothing. Well Yeah. It I think clearance like, is bliss,
2: right? Yeah. Well
1: it's that simplistic approach that's really I mean, a lot of people can a lot of people understand the simple. Mm-hmm. And so when you oversimplify something, then you know, you're also missing a big part of what's happening. And I think, like, it's pretty cool to, like, I think Joe and I were talking the other day, and it was, like, it's pretty rad to see that our core group of people going through school have all been really successful, and we've also all been, like, like we're, I look to you guys as, like, the kind of people that I'm, like, proud of my profession. Like, I see what Demir is doing online, and I see what Joe is doing online, and, like, all the stuff you guys are putting out, and I'm, like, I'm kind of pumped on that because there's so much shit out there. And and statistically, one of you should be, maybe it's me, maybe I'm the one who's statistically, maybe I'm the the real real, uh, letdown. But it's like, I I think it's just, it's pretty cool. Like, I feel like we were lucky enough to go through school together and to all have that same, um, you know, call it philosophy or whatever. But uh, we were all lucky enough to go through school together and, like, feed off each other's energy and then bring us to where we're at now, which is, uh, I think, pretty cool. And, like, maybe the fact that we all are taking a bit of a break from what we do every day in our jobs, it gives us a moment more to reflect on it now. And, um, and, like, we can appreciate it, but it also makes us really miss what we we have been doing for the last five years.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, it's like when you were younger, did you want to work? You like took every excuse to not work. Oh. You know what I mean? And, oh, yeah, now, and now it makes you appreciate it. Yeah, you're, you're like, oh man, how do I get rich quick scheme? You know, like, so I don't have to do this work thing. And it's like, now you appreciate the work. You know, it sucks when you're not doing it.
2: Yeah, I think there's like this uh, inner desire to be productive. You know, to be uh, like, what's his name? Jo- Jordan Peterson would call it being industrious right? Like just being productive with your time and your energy. And, um, you know, I, I don't look at like, I can't wait to get back to work. Like s- some people that have data entry jobs look at yeah. like, oh, I can't wait to go back to work. <laughs> like I think, uh, we've, we've been lucky that, um, we've been able to create an environment where we get paid, but we do something that we all really like to do and love to do, like, right. Something that, you don't have to get up in the morning and be like, "All right, get the boots on." Got to force myself to go to my own clinic within the gym. You know, with I just happy think, ass um, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I help people every single day. Um, every single case is super interesting because they're all a hundred percent different because people are so different. Um, so it's never boring, and so it's like. I think uh, calling that work versus you know, calling um, data entry, not to, not to knock on data entry, um, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and that's mainly why like, I don't feel as industrious, as, as, as productive with, with my time, even though I'm getting a lot of work done and I'm, I'm shoring up and cleaning up a lot of back end systems in my business, uh, which was a mess. So it's been kind of nice to go do all that stuff. Um, you know, the sweet stuff is what we do every day,
0: right? Yeah, getting our hands on people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the reason why I called you guys, because I thought it would be good to uh, have a cool discussion, not just what we were just ch- chatting about, I think that's good background, but in regards to the differences between a couple things, mobility training and mobilizing, because I think that there's something that's lost in the internet world, speaking of people putting content out. Um, And Demir, you know, you have your online uh, presence where you're doing the FRC and mobility training. And some of the things that I've I've been doing for the past few years is how to mobilize for the positions that you're about to experience um, when it comes to fitness. So, you know, why don't you guys touch on a little bit of what the, to you, what that difference is. Like, let's like clearly define what is mobility. And then, what's the difference between mobilizing and how, and restoring mobility?
2: Why don't you start us up, Dan?
1: Oh, I was hoping you'd say that because as soon as you start going, I think you're going to hit it out of the park. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that, like, I think this it's uh, similar to the conversation we had earlier. Joe. It's like I think that there's there's many roads to Rome, and there's I think lots of different ways to get the job done. Some that are more efficient than others and some that are addressing problems a little bit more, uh, more directly than others. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes down to like the definition of mobility, it's like there's so many ways people have like, you know, mobility is range of motion that you can control versus like active, passive range of motion. I think for today, why don't we first of all just agree that that mobility is going to be range of motion. We're talking about range of motion throughout a joint, and we're going to have an element of control in there. Does that seem fair? Perfect. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so then we'll just preface things by saying active versus passive range motion. Sound good?
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. So in the terms that you were just talking about when a, whether or not a person should be focusing on mobility training or mobilization, I always tell them that you should be actually focusing on both and when each of those things are tools, and you want your tools to address what job you, you're looking to get done. So, for instance, if I have a person who's training, and they're doing something like, you know, let's say they're, they're working on overhead work, and they wanna work on improving mobility in their shoulder. Well, I want them to still be able to train their shoulder while they're working on mobility. So I'm gonna use a series of mobilizations. That's the way of getting their body into that position, and temporarily opening up a window for them to use range of motion. However, I also want to sprinkle into their training program specific mobility training, which is going to be the focus is putting control and long inputs into that range of motion. So it could be things like FRC, end um, range liftoffs. It could be pails and rails. It could also just be like high level cars, which are going to be you know specific joint movements with an emphasis on tensing the rest of the body so I think there's lots and lots of different ways that we can do that and it's just the same way that any training program can have different sets of reps and exercises that's kind of what we want to set up our mobility programs to look like too and I know you've done a really good job with that Joe because you add in not just mobilizations but you might show someone a banded ankle distraction exercise which is like as passive as it gets but then you're also adding an active component so it's not it's not just all passive stuff, so yeah. I think um, I think there's got to be a little balance there too. And I've also found in my own in my own practice and my own mobility training that I can only take so much mobility training a week. Yeah. Like if I'm doing if I'm doing like heavy duty mobility training every single day, my body gets fried, and I think my nervous system gets a little bit overwhelmed too. Because I still want to be able to do some lifting, I still want to do some gymnastics and some some other stuff. So. I like this idea of like, I think of it as about 20, 20, uh, 60. So I want about 60% of my training to be coming from like gym lifts and maybe some gymnastics moves. And then I want 20% of the stuff that I'm doing to represent mobilization and another 20% to represent um, like mobility training. Yeah, I'm into that. I like that. And I and I just came I like up that with breakdown that. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I just like having. I mean, that way when I when I look at what I'm gonna do for that day, I start off with my warm up, and my warm up's gonna be like some little cardio stuff to get my blood pumping, and it's also gonna include some of those mobilizations. Yep. And then throughout my exercise, I'll also sprinkle in a few pails and rails, or like my favorite thing that I've been doing lately was actually a, um, it was actually an exercise that I saw Demir do probably like a year ago, and I forgot how useful it is, but it's um, it's like an assisted internal rotation pails and rails where you're standing. So you're standing up and you rest the inside of your, let's say it's your left leg, you rest the inside of your left leg up against either the side of the rig or a wall, and then from there you stand tall and you actively internally rotate your leg as you're pushing in. So you get this nice support from your adductor and it feels friggin phenomenal and it's like my go-to warm-up. For any type of squatting or um, or hinging, mm-hmm. because it just it makes my my inner hip feel so supported, and it just I think it just helps to kind of like build up that um, synergy between all the muscles on the inside of your thigh and the outside, because yeah. you're you are like working that internal rotation like you would in a typical hip car, but you're also now getting that like nice strong adductor uh, component. So I feel like the um, it just I just feel like it gives me good joint congruency. Yeah. Some might even call it good joint centration.
0: <laughs> so, Damir, why don't you tackle like for people why that stuff is important? Why 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 should someone be practicing mobility training? Like, why would yeah, someone so sign I, up I for I your account? Yeah.
2: Uh, the analogy I like to give, uh, which one of my patients uh, taught me, so it's so cool. Um, I literally like I dropped my jaw dropped when she got me. Um, mobility versus mobilizing uh, for the workout that day. It's like writing an essay. You write a whole essay. You write three pages and you pour out your heart and soul on this thing and then you just unplug the computer from from the wall. That's mobilizing. You did a whole bunch of work. And you're gonna be prepared. You're gonna have you're gonna be farther along than you were, further along than you than you were when you started. But mobility training is like you write that essay, you write those two, three pages, and then you click file save. And then next time you go back to mobility training, you file open that specific one, and then you start on page four. And now you're kind of creating this book, creating this big, large document with this history. And you can kind of, there's a starting point and there's an ending point, and then there's all the points in the in the in uh, in between. And so with mobility training, that's like you went to go see somebody like myself or Dan, we both took the FRA together, or you, you know what I mean? You, you just haven't taken the course, you're doing assessments every single time you see the patients. Um, I think if you go see somebody and you get assessed for something very specific, like Dan was talking about internal rotation of the hip, you're like, oh man, this is really, deficient for what I want to do with this hip okay here's the plan on how to bring this thing along and how to get it better and then there's a plan and then you execute that plan and then you get it checked again and there's improvements so like there's a training there's a history behind it whereas in mobilizing is you know I I do mobilizing with by sometimes with what feels good and then I do like with what I need to do to to do that workout that day or do that jiu-jitsu workout. I use mobilizing as recovery after uh, workouts. Um, so I think um, it's tougher to get consistent uh, results if all you're doing is something like mobilizing. Um,
0: yeah, it's like, and it's, so, so when people pop, like for instance when people do like a banded ankle distraction or like a banded hip thing that they saw on the internet. Uh, kind of like you know, I made a post yesterday about decreasing tissue tension just by rolling for a little bit, and then using the hip distraction drill. Like that buys you a little window, basically. It's, so that's what you're yeah. getting at. So you want you want long term results. It's going to take a little effort, and it takes drills, just like training in the gym. Like you don't just get like massive biceps from doing you know one set of ten at twenty pounds. You know for curls, you kind of you kind of have to have that sustained time, a plan. Here's the progressive overload, yada yada yada. These things grow; they get bigger, they get stronger. and the same, in a similar idea for, for mobility training.
2: Right. Um, I think, yeah. So you, you, uh, I think you touched on a bunch of stuff there, but I think um, when it comes to something like you know what you posted with the banded uh, hip thing or a banded ankle thing, we're opening up that joint right uh, artificially, technically. Right. We, we did some things to make it um, more open than what you walked into the gym with uh, something that we would call your cold mobility. Right. And so now you can do things like controlled articular rotations. You can do like cars through that new range of motion so that you're training and teaching your nervous system uh, how to access that deeper range or. You could load up that new range with a 350 pound front squat. Um, the choice is yours, right? One is going to have more repercussions than the other. Um, it all depends on like what you're trying to do. I, I used to be much more uh, dogmatic and strict about all this kind of stuff and um, in the last couple years, you know, I just literally go by with, I, I try to pull because they don't really tell you uh, up front. I try to pull the goal that my patient or client walked into with and then i give them a combo of the best things i know that are gonna take them to their goal and so does that include like a twenty twenty sixty 60 kind of thing that dan talked about or, or maybe like more mobilizing after training um versus deep mobility training uh, mobility training is rigorous like it's uh it's boring as hell Uh, if you're doing like the real stuff, and by the way, the real stuff is just, uh, morning cars routine. It's a lot of cars specifically in those joints that are deficient. And then it's daily. And I mean, daily pails and rails training specifically for those joints that suck and that stuff can get like very boring. It can be very overwhelming. Um, so you have to work with people, right? That's where like the psychology comes into play and, and you have to be be a little more realistic on, um, what somebody is going to be able to accomplish. You're not operating in a vacuum, you
1: mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I like that, man. And you know what? I'll just say this. I've done the daily pails prescriptions and things like that with people and, I've you know hit them over the head with this idea of like do it every day. I'm actually gearing more towards what I think is getting consistency with people, which is realizing. Well, first of all, most people train too much. People who are really into training, most of the time their volume ends up being a little too much. And so I find that if I can use those times where they're in the gym to sprinkle in mobility training or to sprinkle in mobilizations and stuff, I get the best out of both. I get. No, I'm taking away, I'm stealing some of their volume. And then yeah. I'm also I'm also sneaking in stuff that's gonna serve them better. And then uh, and then speaking to your point too about I mean, like I'm just telling you in my personal experience, I feel like if I'm doing real hard like it's almost like interval training. I I, I think of it as I want at least one day between hard mobility workouts. So I actually don't prescribe pails and rails, even though some people would say, like, oh, you absolutely have to. I think that cars and something that's getting your body moving full range of motion all the time is really good. But what we're doing is we're hitting ourselves with, like, basically an interval of mobility. And so I liken it to, like, the same thing, interval training. I don't do interval training back-to-back days. Maybe once in a while, but I'll then deload it right afterwards for, like, a rest week. Same thing with regular training. So. I'll do like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and maybe like a Saturday or Sunday. And then, you know, maybe double up. Maybe there's two back to back days. Yeah. But I will sprinkle in a ton of mobilizations to kind of substitute that. And Joe and I had a conversation the other day, which I thought was kind of interesting because, like, you can still get long term benefits from mobilizations. I think you just have to do more of it. Yeah. Like, because think about it. Because think about it like this, what's one of the most long-term adaptations that people have gotten from doing something passive? Think about that person who sits behind their desk and slouches. Slouching is like a passive mobilization. You're doing it for like 8 hours a day. So in it's a theory, lot of
2: time under tension. <laughs>
1: exactly, right? So like yeah, can you do can you get a banded hip distraction and probably not with 2 minutes, right? But if you're doing if you're doing like 2 minutes or 4 or 6 minutes a day and you're doing that for 6 months, Something is going to happen. It might not happen right away, but it's going to take a little bit of time. So, I think that there is some value to that, especially when you when you add things kind of around it. I always like this this concept of bookmark uh, of uh, kind of like um, not bookmarking, but um, uh, like having like uh, two things sandwiched in between, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, two things surrounding one um, one key. Uh, goal or one key outcome, so like that could be ends. like a yeah book ending. That's it. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why I said bookmarking book <laughs> but um, I could have helped it's,
2: you earlier, but
1: I was... it's, just, <laughs> you just want to see right want to see him suffer it's, a
0: little bit. That
1: dance in your head because I only uh, I only had one single origin coffee this morning, That's guys.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> it's really tough times with this quarantine.
2: <laughs> you got a ration. Yeah, I yeah. You know, um I think uh. To add on to what uh, you were just talking about, I think, you know, that's an important point in distinction when, especially if I'm programming mobility training for somebody every day, that does not include like irradiating and high amounts of tension. Yeah. Right. What that means, what I mean by mobility training is like tissue talk, right? I had almost like a little segment uh, where I did tissue talk where every day you're communicating to that piece of crap capsule that's not creating space in your joint about creating space into internal rotation, right? And so some days doing uh, harder work, you're adding a lot more co-contraction or irradiation. But I think there is a big benefit from getting working in uh, every day. But I do 100% agree with you. Uh, you shouldn't be doing something like interval training or like hard mobility training work uh, you know, every single day. I think that's um, unrealistic.
0: Yeah, I think that taking your body to end range of motion every single day with extreme contraction is probably not a safe place to be considering most people don't know how to control their bodies in the first place. So they think this sensation is the right one. So it's like, you know, like how important is it having the coach that's there for you? It's like that's pretty damn important. It's the same thing for like maxing out your deadlift. You kind of want to be coached into the deadlift before you start ripping, you know, 300 pounds, 350, 400 off the ground.
1: Just throwing numbers out there. Yeah. Just my personal, <laughs> number. but, um, just <laughs> my personal numbers
2: 405.
1: One of the best things about having a coach, though, is you need them there to be the brake sometimes, not just the gas. They need, yeah. to be, they need to be telling you, like, hey, you know what? Maybe take it easy on this one. Because people. I think people are, some of them, very results-driven, and they, they'll do whatever they can, right? Like, you mm-hmm. get that A-type person who comes in. And I think this comes back to full circle to what Demir was talking about at the beginning, which is every patient visit is different, and that's because every patient learns and understands concepts differently, and, like, part of our job is to educate. And I just recently redid my intake form, and one of the things that I included um, was how do you best learn? Like, are you a tactile learner? Are you a visual learner? Are you an audio learner? Um, and it, it gives you a little bit of insight because, like, that's the stuff we're trying to figure out when we're when we're ultimately working with people. Is like, how can I best get what I know into this person's yeah. mind with with the least 100%. amount of yeah. least amount of obstacles. And, um, and I like you know that. what? I will I will say one thing too about mobilizations, and one of the reasons why I really like them is because people can see immediate reactions and immediate change. And it's it gives people a lot of hope, I think, in some ways. Where if they can see all of a sudden, whoa, my shoulder's getting like closer and closer to the wall, that's pretty cool. I can I can do this. And then you just have that talk with them about like, hey, this is a window we're opening. What we really want to do is we wanna build a freeway to get there. Yeah. So yeah. we're gonna and that takes a little bit more construction.
0: No, yeah, that's that was I would say that like uh, over all the years I've been doing the, the mobility classes for, you know, CrossFit gyms is that that buy-in has to be there in order for people to understand that yet it's going to take a little bit of time, but you do have to make those changes and you got to make them for people that are very type A and say, get, show me that this shit works. You got you to gotta make sure you hammer it you know, in their head that, hey, yes, you got to practice this. Yes, there's a couple more things that you have to do. Yes, this is a good way to get you to do the fitness that you want to do right now, but it's going to take some time. Um, I think that's a, it's hard for people to continue to do it, you know, because it's just how, like, how do they prioritize things in their training, in their life? Um, it's usually one of those things that's not put forward. They're like, oh, I know I should stretch, but I don't. It's like, well, why? I'm too busy. It's not that hard to like sit in a pigeon pose, you know, while you're typing, you know, so it's, it's just it's just figuring things out like that, like finding finding the psychology of the person, right? I think that's a great way to like how you change your impact uh, your intake form. I think that's a really really good good question to ask, like because then you can be like, oh, you're an audio learner. Great, we just had this talk. Bam, here's that. Listen to this. Um, you're a visual learner. I have videos. Boom, watch this. Um, yeah, that's that's super important. That's a great question. I'm probably gonna steal that one from you,
1: Dan. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. that's… We, we, we've all done that. Like, I've taken stuff that you guys have put in your… Like, that's one of the best things about having you guys is like a support system. And um, it actually… Like, that whole question came from me working with a patient who was doing everything I could and I'm sure everyone who's, who's like either a trainer or a clinician can understand this, but trying to get someone to feel and understand what a hip hinge is supposed to look like and feel like. Yeah. And then eventually… I just pulled up my phone and I said, I'm I'm gonna videotape you. And then I showed them the video and I said, This is what we need to correct, and they immediately did it. So they were very visual, right? Like they they like I gave them all the cues that I could, and I, you know, I was I was poking and prodding and trying to get them to feel things, but it wasn't until I showed them and then they just hit this perfect hip hinge and I'm like, Oh, okay, that saved me a lot of time, and it saved them a lot of time and frustration. Smart.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but, I um, definitely think taking time during that First initial, um, you know, assessment to really like tune into them, uh, to really get a sense of uh, how they process information, and then, you know, ultimately, based on what they're telling you, how much work they're willing to put in. Right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Somebody's willing to. Let's say like I have a hypothetical jar full of where 100% is like the max effort somebody will give you. And um, based on everything they're telling me and everything I'm feeling, uh, I'm just going to get a 40%, 50% effort from uh, this person in terms of, like, any additional, you know, home care recommendations and stuff. Like, I'm not going to just throw the hardest crap at them right away in the beginning. You know, like, like Joe said, um, there's got to be some – got to meet them halfway. There's got to be some of that, uh, that bump in Where they got to see some results, Um, but over time, I think it's our job to really, as educators, right, as teachers, to really teach them ultimately like the real truth, not like just like the fast results crap that they're uh, you know hoping that you're there for. So, I've had this forty-five-year-old pain in my uh, back of my knee. (laughs) You know, I got a golf tournament Saturday. What are you going to do for me, doc? <laughs> Lay on <laughs> no, the table. Dog, I'll show you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, so I think that's also an important factor.
1: Yeah. It's been, uh, the last little bit has been kind of crazy because it's really, I mean, I've done some, some telemed work like I was telling you guys before and just kind of as, as a, a service to patients that I've already worked with and really it's just kind of helping the people that are in a bit of a jam right now. And uh, I consider myself to be like a movement-based chiropractor. Like I, I use manual therapy, but I also use movement to get people to feel and uh, and to understand how to like fix themselves. Right. Very similar to what you guys would probably identify with. What I can't, I can't even fathom. What, people like, because I know there's lots of physios and chiros and practitioners that are very hands off. Like, I am just so excited to being able to work with my hands again because it's such a benefit. It's such a bonus. It, it really is kind of like, you know, we're utilizing that mobilization to open the windows, right? Like, that's yeah, what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, the, like, the amount of... And how many people are going to check the box on that intake that says, oh, they're very tactile learners, right? Like, when you can take your... When you can, you know, take a part of a person's body and help them move it better, oh, my gosh. Like, it just it's giving me such a such a, an appreciation for how important manual therapy is
0: yeah I mean there's not uh, there's it's very self-gratifying when someone lays on the table and they haven't been able to put their you know their hand over their head with without pinching pain or discomfort over the top um, and then you do some work on them they sit up they retest it and it's like as if they never had that discomfort ever before you know or it's gone down like eighty percent. They feel, oh, just a little bit. It's like, holy crap. I mean, that's massive for people. Um, And that's, I mean, to me, that's damn near impossible to do on your own.
2: Yeah, I
0: agree. Yeah. I think, uh,
1: I I don't care how many,
2: I don't
1: care how many massage guns you own. (laughs) You can't can't fucking do uh, it.
2: Nothing replaces it. manual work, no, man, the manual work is like the bread and butter. Yeah. You know, that's the, you know, I even tell my patients, like, Dude, the the in- inputs right we we talk about inputs in FRC a lot uh, you know the inputs that you're doing at home with your uh, pails and rails you know they're cute but they're like weak and generic when you come see me. It's so specific, the input that I'm putting, right? I'm putting, I'm touching that tissue that I want to change very specifically. And, uh, However, Daniel
1: research says that specificity in manual
2: therapy can yeah. be questionable. <laughs> <laughs> Fall off a <the> bridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, and I've had so many patients where I've been, you know, not even, I wouldn't even call them patients until I worked on them, where they were clients, where they were literally like, hey, can you teach me mobility, I heard about kin Stretch, all this kind of stuff, and then they I taught them a whole bunch of stuff and then they come randomly see me months later for like a totally different thing where they're like, oh man, I tweaked my back can you help me? And I work on them like physically, hands on, they're like oh my god
0: you're going to have to repeat that Demir, you cut out perfect timing
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. they say, oh <laughs> my yeah. god yeah, yeah. No, I just said like I've had clients uh, in the past who've been pure mobility training clients and then they've tweaked something and then they've seen me for that tweak later on and I've worked on them with manual therapy and adjustments and something. have been like, oh my God, I didn't even know you did this.
0: Yeah. I'm like, yeah,
2: that's the main thing I do. Yeah, that's the thing <laughs> we were saying like, we demo. love. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's Yeah, and, and then you get the, the world of people that – like, so I always tell each patient that comes in, you know, I have the whiteboard and so I have like, I have these sections where it says decrease pain, um, increase range of motion and then restore stability and control and then strengthen and it's like, these are the steps that I like to take to get people back to what they want to do. Um, so like decreasing pain, like mitigating that sensation of tightness, pain, discomfort, How do you do it? It doesn't matter how you do it. I don't really care if you use a foam roller, a lacrosse ball, a tennis ball, a vibration gun. It doesn't matter to me. As long as something like the signal is decreased. But then you get that world of people that are just married to the lacrosse ball and married to the foam roller, right? So um, they think that that's gonna be the saving grace for everything. So when I show them that little cycle, it's like, it's a nice way to take that, those people where I have decreased pain, restore range, stability, control, and strength. And I say, if you are always just decreasing pain by foam rolling or whatever the device is that you're using, and then you go and strengthen, that's why you always find yourself back at decreasing pain. You haven't finished the, the cycle. You haven't taken the, the direct steps to get you to what your end goal is of training pain-free or with minimal amounts of discomforts. And I'm like, You need to get these range of motion and you need to be able to control them you're just beating a dead horse when you just step on the foam roller or have your friends stand on your quads. Hey,
1: can I, can I say something about the, the whole foam roller debate thing? A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. The one, if I, if I could just go on a tangent and a rant about one thing, it's this idea of novel stimulus. I don't know if you guys have been hearing this a lot in a lot of the research. It's this idea that like an adjustment or a lacrosse ball or a, whatever and a lot of this is coming from the pain science realm is this idea that like we're we're creating we're throwing in a novel stimulus to the body you know are you familiar with that
0: no not well i mean i i kind of am i i've heard some people say some things where they they it's like you're tricking you're tricking the wiring of your brain in order to you know yeah. Fight it yeah and and
1: that's ex- but that's exactly it that takes that that's you're running with my point right here which is this idea that like we were talking about how annoying it is when people undercut or understate a very, a very, um, you know, m- like there's more to it than just the fact that it's a novel stimulus. Yes. People, yeah. are, people are now, so, so these, these people are now taking neurology, which is an incredibly complex and often convoluted uh, b- group of theories, right? Because a lot of it's still theory. And they're taking it and they're being like, oh, we're just throwing in a novel stimulus. Yeah. Drives me bonkers because... They're doing exactly what they're accusing all these other people of doing which is just through, like just being super um, super general yeah. But there's definitely like I think you, you, like we, we look to research to get as much um, a, like a North Star for us right mm-hmm. like we, we want to make sure that we're not doing anything that's hurting anyone to begin with yep. And then we want to make sure that what we're doing is leading to the best results as fast as we possibly can and not leading to dependence for that person having them feel like they need to come see us but like there's certain times where you know i think that there's a big difference between a person using a lacrosse ball and a person using like a massage gun or a person using a real massage from an actual person like it yeah. doesn't take it doesn't take a research study to tell you that those are all different yeah. like yeah you you might be putting pressure down on a on a part of your muscle or joint or you might be mobilizing something and like but each one of those things comes in a completely different package. So imagine this first person takes a lacrosse ball out of their gym bag, lays on the floor, sticks it in their shoulder blade, rolls on it for two minutes. Okay. Very different than going to Demir's office. A person comes in, says hi, sits down, Demir puts his hands on him, like not only is the surface different, the pressure different, the like there there's just so many there's so many differences that, it, that you can't even begin to look at how you perform a study around something like that. Yeah, and so. And what's the thing you're idea,
0: like? What's the thing you're measuring? Is subjective and a little bit of objective outcomes.
1: Yeah. So some people are like, "Oh, well, like, all like when you do an adjustment, or when you do a voodoo floss, or when you do like a, a massage gun, all you're doing is giving a novel stimulus." It's like, mm, I don't think so. I think there's more to it. I think you're taking something and you're just you're turning it into a very very simple uh, catch-all yeah so yeah anyway,
2: that drives no, me bonkers. I agree it, it's so complicated um, and you know you did way more neuro back in school than you know any of yes yeah. and uh, you know so I'm I'm behind you <laughs> a
1: mile oh, dude Same here, I'm like what you he what, says
2: all, all of those all of those courses <laughs> gave me
1: get there were really a, only a couple uh <laughs> the of big take-home points. One was we don't get taught hardly anything in school. No, exactly. Like, like,
2: and, however, and so, <laughs> but however, to claim we're... that you know it's the same. You know, in our profession, there's you know sects that make crazy leaps when it comes from neurology uh, standpoint. we they be like, oh, you know, you tested weak on this muscle. That means you're. Ant is allergic to shellfish. Um, You know, all these kind of things, uh, whatever the technique or the philosophy may be, um, that's what some of this kind of stuff feels like. It's like people are just making these crazy leaps and jumps, and a lot of it comes from them not even understanding what the hell they're talking about, um, you know, through and through. And the problem is, most people can't poke holes in everything they're saying because nobody else understands. The neurology that much either. So you have this like huge bubble of BS that can build up <laughs> and it can uh, permeate throughout the whole, uh, you know, zeitgeist. Um, I think. I stick away from stuff that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> just yeah, same here. I, my wife regularly calls me out on my BS, anyways. I don't need it done. <laughs> I don't need it at work as well. So I kind of stick to stuff that I know what I'm talking about. And even that stuff, I'm learning new stuff all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Is you just, I mean, even the stuff that I feel like I know really well, I can always learn more.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> and I always look at it as like I'm not like as much as people might come to my office and look at me as the expert it's almost like it's almost a double-edged sword because I often find myself looking to other experts for more expertise and then um and then you start to think to yourself they're like oh well like we, we, um, we were filming a bunch of videos for our third space uh, uh our third space youtube channel <laughs> one of the guys that was filming was like well like like, what do I know? Why should I be? Te- why should I be teaching this? You know, I'm not this person. It's like no, but you actually you, you know a lot. Like like we are like you don't have to be the official authoritarian on one thing, to to you know pass that information no, on. No, but I think sometimes we get in our own heads about that. We're like we need to know everything, otherwise we can't you know we can't share everything. So it's uh, it's it's one of those kind of catchalls. I think especially for us because we're we're such well. I think we critically think about stuff more than maybe the average person.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that statement. And we're a little mm-hmm. more—we try to be a little more logical when it comes to the approach, until proven otherwise.
2: Yeah, and we also call—we
1: uh, call each other on our shit. Which I think we is call each other
2: on our BS, you know. And I think—I uh, think actually this comes back to circles all the way back to uh, patient education, right? Like knowing uh, what the heck is going on. Um, and what the plan behind it all is uh, is the most important part with whatever you're doing you know, within that plan, whether it's mobilizing, whether it's mobility training, whether it's manual therapy, like you knowing everything uh, that that patient needs to know, but that that patient also having like like this like high level of critical appraisal and thinking, you know, and not not every one of them have that, um, or some have it more than others. You know, how many times have you felt like the patient came in with a diagnosis and they chose a treatment for that diagnosis and you in your office, you just happen to be the closest person to their house for that treatment to their diagnosis. And so they're just coming in like, hi, I'm here for dry needling for my rhomboids. Like what? Like what's going on with your rhomboids? Um, and so i'm just a vessel for them to do whatever they want you know what i mean and so i think uh it, it comes back to education i mean, what's happening with you okay this is what's happening with you not you don't need random treatment that you googled because your you know friend had it and it helped them um i think it just goes back to education for the clinician for the practitioner education for the patients uh yeah, that's all
0: that, and that's the double-edged sword with with the information age, really, is what that right. comes down to. And, the, yeah, and then, yeah, it's too much. Yeah, and then you get other people that think that they're, you know, like, oh, I had I had that issue. What, all you need to do right. is go get it needled. You know, that's it. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Um, but unfortunately, right. like you said,
2: with a theragun?
0: yeah, like like you said earlier, everybody's a hundred percent different when it comes to presentation. They might have a lot of similarities. But it doesn't mean they're exactly the same. And so, you know, the treatment of choice isn't always gonna be uh, oh just shove a needle in it, or here, just throw a lacrosse ball back there, or here let me ART this or hey, let me adjust that.
1: It's- Even though that's what some chiropractors have done for the last twenty years, which is every person comes in with low back pain, every person gets low back adjustment.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, $20. there's like a low back there's like a low back protocol. You know, yeah. it's like adjust the low back do uh ART or whatever to this structure and this structure, because those are the ones always involved. And then uh, I'll give them all bird dogs, you know, I'm like, all right, go ahead.
0: Yeah. It's pretty, it's that, and that's very baseline.
1: Right. Yeah. It yeah it's not, pretty standard, yeah, right? it's, like, yeah, it's very baseline. Um, I have a great massage gun story for you guys too, if you want to hear
0: it. Yeah. Put it on. Sweet.
1: Yeah. do it, And then I got to run. Yeah, I know. Um, I had a, a guy come in. He was like, my back is so sore. And I was like, okay, uh, what happened? He goes, well, I've been, I've been following this workout program. This was probably about three months ago. Um, he's like, I've been following this workout program that my trainer is putting me on, and I'm working out three times a day. And I was like, whoa, that sounds like a lot. And then he tells me some of the workouts that he's doing, and they're like full on really hard. Like one of them was like max burpees that you can do in – like twenty minutes or something, and that was like one of the. That's <laughs> yeah, <one. it's> a <laughs> long time. <laughs> and then, and then, so he strains his. He, he he goes to grab the gym door to get into the gym because he's going in for his lunchtime workout, and he pulls on the door and he strains something in his in his uh, lower back, and instead of going in and doing his workout, now the trainer takes like a, a TheraGun or I don't even know what it was. Like, I think it was like he called it a hammer massage. <laughs> And so he put this for 45 minutes, he, he used this on the exact same spot on this guy's low back. Oh, he burned oh, it for sure. So, yeah, he burned the skin. And, but but the patient isn't willing to tell me this yet, so I, I, I'm I taking a look, and I, I just go to, to just even touch his lower back, and he just like winces, and Im- immediately I think I'm gonna check the guy's skin just to make sure he doesn't have something else weird like shingles or you know what I mean. Like I'm just doing my due diligence. Sure. And it's super red, super puffy, super like just like someone beat him with a bat. And uh, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? And he's like, uh, I did like a little bit of like foam rolling and stuff. And I'm like, really? Like that seems like a lot. And then we talk more and more, and eventually it all comes out that his trainer had just beat on him for forty-five minutes with this. And he's like, so is there anything you can do? I'm like. Not now. Like you gotta go home and eat. <laughs> like, you gotta go home and rest. And and I'm like, I'm not gonna be pushing on this anymore. This thing has just been tenderized like a piece of meat.
0: Yeah, that's
1: awful. That so, sucks. But um it's just like that's a perfect example of someone thinking, Well like oh back pain, like we'll just beat it out. We'll just like we'll like it's gotta be like it's gotta be a simple solution, right? Yeah. Sometimes where, it's not. Sometimes, where does it
0: hurt? Okay, great, we'll work on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah, if you yeah. just if you just dig into the spot that hurts, I don't know. It's not always like imagine not. Imagine a person's got pain down their arm on their left I've side, also had, and you just like start ARTing the shit out of their forearm. It's like mm, that this, person's got a heart attack going on.
2: I know this um, uh, trainer who had a client pretty much like make him for the last 20 minutes. Of his uh, fifteen to twenty minutes of every session, pretty much like make him with a, like through, as a cool down, make him uh, massage gun her, <laughs> like in the hammies and glutes and stuff. <laughs> and like <laughs> he, he, he's like he's like no, yeah. this doesn't. <laughs> you know, it's against his principle, and he's like a smart guy. And she's like, look, like this is what I want.
0: Um, yeah, so do
2: like, it. You you kind of it. yeah.
0: It's crazy. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for jamming with me. I appreciate it. I'm happy we tackled this conversation because it's something I've been wanting to do. Um, Demir, let people know how they can find you and a little bit more about your uh, FRC training
2: online. Uh, yeah, so it's just Dr. Demir DC on Instagram and then uh, activehealthchicago.com. Uh, you can find everything on there.
0: Cool. And then Dan Skinner. Plug yourself.
2: Oh my
1: gosh! So for the two people, for the two people that made it to the end of this talk, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Doctor Daniel Skinner. Uh, no, I, I. If you guys want to find any of the stuff that we're putting out at Third Space Movement, you can check out Third Space Movement it's, uh, NVMT, which is movement or you can check out our Instagram, Third Space Movement.
0: Sweet. All right, fellas.
1: Always good to chat with you guys. It's always, yeah, always fun. And thanks, thanks for doing this, Joe.
0: Yeah.